friends, it's me again, back all over. What a good gift it is to be before you in this time of proclamation as we celebrate God's good work and God's word today. We are in a series of God's abundant harvest, and this series concludes next week with a spirit of thanksgiving, uh, but today is about gathering in and celebrating what is uh, in us and through us in a pattern of generosity and ultimately what God equips us to do in our lives. Uh, our series has been on God's abundant harvest. We've been using a planting, watering image. Uh, last week I had the three-piece blue suit on as we talked about water. Today's look I will call farmer chic. Um, and everybody else who wore a flannel today, good on you for getting the spiritual message uh, about uh, how we're moving forward. I am attracted to uh, a vision of this sense of how we are good soil, how we have been planted with good seed, and how we are indeed watered by God's grace and mercy. I shared at the first service, y'all know your pastor's a big nerd. Uh, and I, you know, the, my love for Star Wars is written all over my office and all over my body. Uh, but truly my passion for that world and science fiction came from a love for the comic books of Superman. Um, and I was really far more drawn to Superman's values than to that of Batman. I really didn't understand the angry kid who had lost his parents, who had an abundant amount of wealth, uh, and who was trying to make a difference in Gotham. I was far more drawn uh, to the farm boy who grew up the adopted son of John and Martha Kent, a model for Joseph and Mary of Nazareth, uh, and who was raised with, uh, with uh, blue-collar values uh, and a sense of trust and optimism about how the world would work. Superman spoke to me as somebody who longed for a better world and asked of me, what is it I could do to make a difference? Because the books I read when I was growing up, it was always Superman putting his body and his life on the line for you and for me and for everybody. So it made a lot of good sense to me. So that's a part of the reason I like the, the vision of this is that uh, part of my, my nerd credentials was swimming around in me. But I want to start this morning, question with a, uh, this, church, this morning church with a question for you in the room or those of you online, you can answer on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, in the comments as well. Uh, where have you watered this last week? As we talk about the idea that we water where we believe growth will take place and be possible, it's a way of investing our time, our energy, and resources as a way to say, yes, this is worth the energy and the outpouring of who I am. Where did you water this last week? The second question is like it. Where have you been watered this last week? Was there a moment in scripture study? Was there a moment in a, a relationship, a conversation with a friend or a family member, even a social media post where you knew that this was a part of God's watering the growth in who you were? I think it's important to look for both of those. And I want to invite you to do that in the next week as well. Where am I watering and where have I been watered in a week where we continue to see news that is depressing and that is a struggle for us? as we try and build almost with a sense of lurching forward to the week of Thanksgiving and then Christmas beyond that, there's an opportunity for optimism in who we are as the people of God if we're willing to say, where am I watering? And what's been watering me? And the third question builds on that. It has to do with our stewardship process. Where will you water in the new year? Now is the time to think about New Year's resolutions, by the way. Not December 30th and 31st. Then they just become flippant or old patterns. But if you took the next 51 days before January 1st to try and figure out what could be different in and through you and for your family in the coming year, preparing for that, anticipating that is going to make that choice all the stronger. So it's an opportunity to consider where you will water in the new year. And we'll talk about that as a spiritual discipline when it comes to stewardship in a moment. Because ultimately what today is about is the fruit, the fruit of the harvest that which we gather in out of God's good seed, blessing, and watering. 
the growth that happens in us and by our common work together. When I say scriptural fruit, the image that most often comes to mind is that list on the right. Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 5, speaking a hope of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In his letter to a people who were struggling to show fruits of the Spirit's work in their lives, he gave them this pointed direction of look for these things in how you are living in your relationship with yourself, with your God, but more importantly, with others. And the truth is, it's a great list, but it is neither comprehensive nor is it complete. Because the simple truth is, is if you look at this as just your only metric for how you live your life, and there are times where you feel, like me, where your patience needs to ripen a bit more, or your self-control has just turned brown on the counter because you didn't peel that particular banana this week, You might feel like you're missing the boat if you haven't mastered in some way all of these. But rather, it's a part of understanding the balance, the scale of God's justice and God's work in your life and in community. To call you to bear the fruits that say, we are meant to be a people of love, not of hate. A people of joy, not of despair. A people of peace, not of war. A people of kindness, not of cruelty. A people of goodness, not of badness. A people of faithfulness, not of disbelief. A people of gentleness, not of harshness. And a people of self-control, not a people who are given over to our baser desires. You can hold up the tension between the two and say, where am I leaning? Where do I need to add some weight in prayer, devotion, or partnership with another so that I can grow in that particular fruit. But that's not the only scriptural fruitiness as we see it. A month ago I talked about the image of the vine and the branches. That we are a part of what is grown and shared with the world out of the root and trunk of God's love and abundance. We bear for the world as the branches, the fruit, the trunk does not. So when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, we are called to share with the world the abundance of who Jesus is. And that's a different metric. That if we are called to be the body of Christ, to share with the world that which is abundant and full and full of life, that's different than just saying, am I a person of joy, love, peace, kindness, patience, and self-control? It's a different metric, but the same image. As a part of that, the life of discipleship has its own metric. That if we are in fact the vine and the branches, as Jesus describes, there comes a point, as we hear in Matthew 7, where the world will know us by our fruits. That we will be sampled that we will be tested, that there will be people who say, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that woman because who they are in my life makes a difference. That's the invitational part of the work of the church if we're called to invite, nurture, and send to serve. How we live our lives becomes a witness to our fruitiness, how what we have to share, how we live our lives becomes a way by which we share with the whole world who God is in and through us. And the last thing I want to say about fruit is this. It's a natural process. It's a natural process. I've shared this image once before in your midst. No tree shares fruit by going, fruit, 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 fruit. It doesn't happen. It happens in the right environment. 
Where seed meets good soil and is watered, it has the sunlight that it needs for growth. Out of that natural process, then the fruit that we enjoy is born. It is offered. It is given at its ripest. It falls from trees that we might share and enjoy it. So too is discipleship and growth and fruit. The natural result of how you are wired and how you experience God. If you come to this experience and say, I'm trying to bear the fruits of the Spirit, but it only feels like all I can do is go, hmm, I want to be kind. You're not allowing the natural process of God's grace and love to move in and through you. Jesus will say to us, consider the lilies of the field. They don't plant themselves they don't sow themselves they don't do any work or any effort there's literally nothing in this to their process but they are clothed in a splendor greater than the richest human being ever they're so beautiful and they don't even try so too is your relationship with god it should spring up for you this pattern of hope love optimism and ultimately generosity it's a natural part of who you are So I want to talk about blooming where we plant and where we water. And the scripture I want to use as a part of our time as we move forward this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second letter, 2 Corinthians 9, and it reads in this way. What I mean is this, the one who sows a small amount of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation. They shouldn't give because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way you will have everything you need, always and in everything, to provide more than enough for every good kind of work. As it's written, He scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, if you've not heard it in any other context or in any other church service, hear it today. We are a part of a pattern of giving and sharing our lives as a part of the planting and harvesting of God's natural cycle in the life of the church. When we pass the offering plate, it's not about paying the bills. It's about a pattern of life of generosity and understanding who we are and who we are wired to be. That we are called to be a kind of people who see as a part of our practice in life the ways in which we have been given enough, we've been blessed enough to share with the world and be a blessing for another. This pattern of what we give, when we give, why we give is ultimately reinforced by how we give. What we give is what we have and who we are. And oftentimes, For those of us in the West, we struggle with the idea of, it is what I have earned. That I look at my bank account and I say, I worked hard to get the dollars, few as they may be there. They are mine. It's a very different practice than the early church and then certainly the early farmers of the Hebrew peoples who had to look at their dependence on a much larger system and to say, I have fruit to offer as first fruits Not because I have earned it, but because I have been blessed by a natural process of trust, obedience, and faithfulness. I planted the right seed at the right place at the right time, and lo, I have a gift to share. We give with frequency. Every week, 
we take the opportunity to share in our offering. Not because it's meant to be something that we check off our list and say we did it, but that it might become a pattern and a practice in our lives. Why we give? Because it's a future-oriented practice. We're going to join in a time of celebration and fellowship out on our new patio from phase two. That has been an investment and an opportunity for us to say, what should we do with our space? Not best to meet our needs now, but who we want to be as a church in the years to come. And then the how part of giving. I love this particular line from Paul. God loves a cheerful giver. A brief aside about what it means to share what we have with a spirit of cheerfulness and joy. If sharing an offering, be it in this place or in any charity or work that you support or even the unhoused as you bless them in your day, if your giving takes the form of, be generous, we are missing a pattern that God calls us to. How we give is as a cheerful giver. My last appointment was in Simi Valley. I served there for 12 years, and early on in my ministry, I wanted to tie my work, as often I do here, into a legacy of where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. And a part of where that church had been was served by 29 years by the Reverend Frank Whitman. And Frank loved a particular song at stewardship that they probably sang 20 years going on, uh, well before I even arrived. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to reach back into our history and to bring that song back into our present? It's a song that goes, God loves a cheerful giver, give him all you got. And the melody is obnoxious as the words. (laughs) And boy, when I dragged that thing back out, thinking this church is going to love a reminder of where it's been, the energy in the room kind of diminished, and it is clear that that song had lost some of its flavor, and instead of this robust response that said, yes, I remember that song, instead what happened is one of our young families, uh, God bless him, Sterling came up to me after worship, and he said, How much do I need to pledge to never use that song again? (laughs) Now, we're we're not going to take bids on what the worship band plays in worship. That's not what I'm describing. But that spiritual energy that says, I need the reminder that God loves me to give cheerfully, but to not do it in a way that is somehow vapid or empty, that is insincere, that is cheerful for the sake of being cheerful, but rather a giving that is a part of a natural part of who we are. One final word, and then we're going to hear the gift of song, is that stewardship is a prelude to thanksgiving. That sounds a little backwards, because a couple weeks from now, we're going to gather around abundant tables and talk about the idea that we thank God for all that we've been given. That's fine. Stewardship is not done because of a pattern and practice of thanksgiving and gratitude. It's done as a work of anticipation. It is a planting of seed that says, I want my life to be a little bit more invested in the things that matter most to me. And my hope and prayer is that VUMC is one of those things in your story. That you see the value of what happens. They are seeds that are planted for the future, not just a response to what's happened in the last year. I stand before you on the shoulders of greatness. Names like Pete Falvo, John Shaver, Debbie Sperry, Steve Peralta, Nicole Riley, Michelle Andrews. God bless her family today. Their work and the history of those who came before was about planting a seed of faithfulness in a cheerful way such that you might benefit from the Word of God today, tomorrow, and in the months to come. And so our common work today is about facilitating God's church into the future. Not to save where we've been, but to invest in what God has in store for us. That's what it means to bear fruit of God's abundant harvest. It means to share in who we are and what God has for us.
to see signs of hope that lead us into the future promise that God has for us. Let's pray.